In his words, Rick Farmer's journey, 40 years of drilling and completions in the oil field. We don't receive wisdom, we must discover it for ourselves after a journey that no one can take for us or spare us. Marcel Proust Our industry has ventured out onto a new frontier. We are moving at a faster and faster pace. The information age, as this generation calls it, is pushing technology in ways that years ago we could only imagine. Unfortunately, with all of our success, it generally is our failures that teach us the best. Our successes tend to make us think we are fireproof, our failures bring us back to earth and back to the drawing board. I only wish this one would not have been as bad, but many good things will come out of it, at a very tough cost. The Deepwater Horizon slash Macondo incident was our Apollo 1. We cannot afford a challenger to follow. In 2013, I was at the crossroads of my life in this industry. The son of a Hughes Tool Company drill bit salesman, I grew up thinking that every kid went to the rig on Christmas Day to drop off bits. My time growing up was spent with my dad, driving across the southeastern U.S., watching the rigs come and go. Graduating from high school a year early due to another transfer, I continued to Mississippi State, not because it was the best, but because it was the nearest and offered an education that could not be obtained in South Mississippi. Struggling through college, it was the oil field that kept me interested in continuing that education. First with Zapata Offshore, then with HMP, working on the drill floor. I found my home with Union Oil of California while continuing my education. After being awarded a petroleum engineering degree in 1982, and having a young family, I journeyed home to Lafayette where mom and dad had originally started. The lesson that the oil field had burned into my mind was a simple one, can't do, can't stay, meaning if you can't do the job, you're out. First heard at the age of 18, it has continued to drive me to this day. Photos courtesy of Rick Farmer Originally trained in reservoir, then onshore production, my final point of training with Unocal was drilling and completing high-pressure wells. I was overjoyed with the position as an engineer in that department. Less than two months later, I was thrown to the wolves. I had my first rig and was left alone as the drilling foreman. In those days, it was sink or swim. I learned when I had a question for which I had no answer, I called my other family, the drilling foreman on the nearby offshore rigs. They became my family away from home. My heroes who looked after me as I sailed on this new ship of opportunity. I could not have been in a better place to learn. Ten months after being in the department, having just become a daddy for the second time, I returned offshore for my weekly tour. This time found me, instead of at home on Thanksgiving night with my family, on a Bethlehem jack-up modu, for I had learned that some of us are just born to be sailors. Not that we did not want to be home, but the calling for adventure and the sunrises and the sunsets on the water could only begin to fill our sails. That Thanksgiving night on November 22, 1984, started my real journey in this oil field. On the rig floor with my crew, pulling apart a well, a pup joint parted. The resulting crash killed the floor hand holding the flashlight for me and paralyzed me from the waist down. Farmer was rushed to a hospital in Lafayette, where they were able to save his life. He was then transferred to a rehabilitation hospital in Houston, Texas where he attempted to learn to stand and walk again. Even though he had spent years working on the drilling floor, 
nothing could have prepared him for the hard labor of physical therapy. Unocle installed a WATS landline so he could take the calls from the offshore rigs and ask them about their drilling problems. And advise them on their drilling problems. As months of physical therapy passed, he kept holding the vision of walking again and being free from his wheelchair. His doctors and therapists taught him to adapt his car so he could drive independently. Ultimately, it became clear to him and his medical team that he was not going to walk again. Back in Lafayette nearly two years later, Rick fell into a deep depression and anger at God and himself for failing to spot the faulty corroded pup joint that killed his floor hand and left him unable to walk. His drilling family held an intervention and talked him into entering a 30-day addiction program. He explained to them that he was not actually addicted. He did not want to conduct his life confined to a wheelchair. He recalls being furious when he entered the program. But on day 20 Ricks says he heard the voice of God asking him, What made you different? Hughes Drilling Seminar, Houston, Texas, March 21, 1984 Row 1, Jerry Arsenault, Union Oil of California, Rick Farmer, Union Oil of California, Kenneth Becker, Trend Drilling Company, Freddie Forbes, Linmar Drilling Company, Taria Jones, Statoil, Gear Tangent, Statoil, Row 2, Toppy Vordenbaum, Hughes Tool Division, Andy Grubb, Harkins and Company, Cecil R. Cates, Shell Western E. and P. Inc., Gordon Half, Odico, David Stiegel, Amaco, Warren Johnson, Conoco, Dwayne Reed, Mitchell Energy Corporation, Annette Sonier. Hughes Tool Division, Row 3, Greg Johnson, Laughland Brothers DRLG Company, Leroy Kreppa, Texaco Incorporated, Martin Dufour, Nycor Drilling Company, Leon Thomason, Amaco, Willie Saunders, Harkins & Company, Edward Hernandez, Belnorth Petroleum Corporation, Row 4, Christopher Young, Henning & Young DRLG Company, Jerry McCarver, Sun Expo and Prod. Company, Jack Sheldy, Tenneco Axpel. And Prod. Company, Dan Meissner, Shell Western E. and P. Inc., Tom Hicks, Amaco, Bill Highbarger, Hughes Tool Division, Row 5, all with Hughes Tool Division, Robert Morse, Harvey Brown, John Jeek, Steve Garris, Bill Bryan. He completed the program determined to prove that God could help him do the impossible. It was the definitive day that changed his life. This is the verse of scripture Rick uses every day as he faces the challenges of life in a wheelchair. Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I wondered for a long time how good could come out of that. But, strangely enough, in God's wisdom, all things seem to work out for the best for some. And, so, my journey did not end, but merely started. April 20, 2010, the night of the Deepwater Horizon deeply impacted my family again. The little baby, who was 10 days old when I was crippled, was now a grown woman. She had been a bridesmaid the previous year at the wedding of Dewey Rivette's daughter. Rivette was the transocean driller who died the night the Macondo well blew out. That young lady had called my daughter and asked if I, her daddy, could find out anything about her daddy. When I got that phone call from a sobbing daughter, I answered that I only knew what I was hearing over the television. I knew better than to call my friends with Transocean, once Transworld and Reading and Bates, we all knew it was going to be bad. 
while in Starkville, Mississippi, a week later, for that daughter's graduation from grad school, I received a call from a diving company at 4.m. I was asked if I could talk to a friend from the Navy, who was under orders by the president to begin moving equipment to the Mississippi Canyon 252. The commander asked what the Navy could bring to staunch the gushing well. I explained that the military does not have any equipment that could even light up the blow-out preventer, BOP, in 5,000 feet of water. The extremely high pressure at that depth and freezing water temperature would crush a submarine instantly. I explained that, even if the military could light up the bottom of the seabed, the military has no equipment or the complex deepwater engineering that could stop the gusher. Only the remotely operated vehicles, ROVs, could splash down and light up the broken wellhead and BOP. Rick Farmer receives the National AAD Outstanding Service Award in recognition of continuous, long-term contributions toward the advancement of the AADE and the accomplishment of its mission. Sharon Moore, National AADE President, and Alden Sonier, New Orleans Chapter Representative. AAD 2022 even our own industry had no clue at that time. It was a problem that the best and brightest had denied could ever happen. Again, so did those engineers with the Apollo 1 command module. During the 87-day gusher, deepwater drilling and production engineers from dozens of operators were included on the open phone line as BP, Transocean and Halliburton listened to added advice. In 2013, I was haunted by the question, what can I do to help our younger crew not make our mistakes? Three years after the Macondo blowout and having read millions of pages of trial documents just made public in spring of 2013 during phase one of the civil trial, and knowing families of those who died and survivors, and perhaps experiencing Macondo through the lens of my 1984 accident, I slowly realized God had something else for me to do in this industry. I resigned from my drilling manager position to begin teaching a night class on Monday at the University of New Orleans to a new post-Macondo generation of drilling engineers who had never had an opportunity to work summers on a drilling rig. I also enrolled at LSU for a short time to see if I needed a master's or PhD. But, then, in 2013, the U.S. Department of the Interior announced the new federal regulations which called for a licensed engineer to sign off on every aspect of deepwater drilling in federal waters in the U.S. I realized that if I could pass the professional engineering license exam, I would have the opportunity to help design and execute Macondo-type wells and work in a new leadership position in our industry's professional societies. Proving I could pass the exam would not earn me extra money but, if I could pass it after being out of school over 30 years, I could encourage the younger engineers as well as industry leaders my age to pursue the license for the good and protection of society. North Freshwater Bayou Field, Vermilion Parish, Louisiana, 1987 Preparation for Fundamental Elements, FE, requires 250 to 300 hours of studying every type of engineering, electrical, chemical, mechanical, civil, and nuclear. Taking the Professional Engineering, PE, license exam requires the same number of hours, and much more study time than getting a master's or doctoral degree. Engineer's Creed, 1954 Original Version as a professional engineer, I dedicate my professional knowledge and skill to the advancement and betterment of human welfare. I pledge 
to give the utmost of performance. To participate in none but honest enterprise. To live and work according to the laws of man and the highest standards of professional conduct. To place service before profit, the honor and standing of the profession before personal advantage, and the public welfare above all other considerations. In humility and with need for divine guidance, I make this pledge. I have felt that in order to train our engineers, it was necessary at times to bring them to a burn ward of a large hospital. To emblaze in their minds that failure is not an option in our industry. Knowing that a man died next to me, while he trusted me to bring him home safely, has haunted me to this day. Those that were involved in the Deepwater Horizon slash Macondo incident will be haunted by their demons every year on April 20th for the rest of their lives. I remind my students that an engineering degree is not a license to kill, and that it should be taken seriously. People really do trust us, whether in the oil field, or riding over our bridges, driving down our roads, or working with our machinery. This is why we must continue to learn from our mistakes and not repeat them.